Hello everyone and welcome back. Good to be with you guys here. Start of 2024, our first episode of the new year. Welcome back to the Courtside Convo. I'm your host, AJ Evans, joined alongside the crew, Tim Marshall, Martin Gillespie, and Derek Mitchell. It's a one-on-one with you, Mitch. Um, great to be back. A lot has happened in the NBA over winter break. But first off, before we get into everything, how's it going, guys? How you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Sweating out a little overtime game between the Celtics and Timberwolves that by the time you guys will be hearing this is all over, so... I'll either be happy or slightly unhappy. I mean, I want to keep the winning streak at home alive, but I'm feeling good. Yeah, for sure. Doing well. Break was well. Class is good. Nothing to complain about. Yeah. Love it. Break was nice. Vacation was really cool. And uh, still still a depressed Pistons fan. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say so. I, I, good little... I got I got a winter coat things. rain jacket that came in real useful when it was that. pouring rain yesterday. Yeah, that's smart. Got some new kicks, basketball kicks. I got um. So I had this big box under the tree. My grandma. I didn't even see it. It was hidden by some of the other stuff. I didn't see it till the morning. I was like, "What is this?" Growing up, I loved playing with darts. I always played with them. My grandmother got me this like big electronic dart. Oh, I love playing darts. I I got real into it this summer. It's a lot, a lot of fun to play. It's a lot of fun. It's so easy to set up. Like the company that she brought home is really cool. Like so, but yeah, no. Glad everybody had a good Christmas. Um, Any New Year's resolutions? Ah, I mean, watch more basketball, right? Be more informed for all our listeners out there, and really lock in, (laughs) preach some some real hoops. I don't know. Watch, watch more basketball, but watch less Pistons basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's so real. I got to agree with that. Watch less Pistons basketball, more Golden State for me. Oh, Golden State. It's, they're, it's, a, it's a 20, wrong a, a 2015 that. Warriors. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. All right, well, before we dive in everything going on around the league, speaking of the Pistons and Celtics, let's all go around and say a, a quick New Year's resolution that you have for your uh, – respective squad it could be a couple but you know let's just make it rapid fire Tim, I'll start with you when you're ready. um this is gonna sound I, I don't know how well this will sound but I I would like to see more of the depth guys play I feel like at this point where it's definitely a marathon it's not a sprint we need to kind of and we have quality guys like O'Shea Brissett can definitely fill in some minutes when other guys have been out he's been very quality he's had some quality minutes out there uh even like Luke Cornett Get him in there. I, I like it. Keep the miles off of Porzingis, Horford, Drew, Tatum, Brown, Dark White. I think if you can cut their limits, maybe only like three to five per game, give some young guys a chance. I, I think that would help in the long run. God forbid something happens and we need and they need someone late. I would say for the Pistons, the best resolutions would be uh, don't become the worst NBA team of all time <laughs> to, like try to win like five more games I like the standards are low also uh Cade keep like he he started off in a slump I'd like to see him stay healthy and like be the guy be the guy be 25 plus points per game ideally wow. I don't know he's he's been True. the guy I'm not saying he isn't but I'd just like to see him continue being the guy after that original slump yeah. mm-hmm 
I'm going to talk about the Pistons, too. I just want to see at least one nice free agency trade, just somebody that can be a veteran that can teach our young guys a little bit and just kind of mold this team into something that we could be proud of. We're not right now, and it kind of shows with that, but just one nice veteran that's not Blake Griffin or anything like that that we can just mold into something that's a little bit better, especially for next year and when Cade comes back as well after the trade deadline. this team to make, you know, a, a really good trade for a veteran. You know, maybe not a guy who is a big name, but just, you know, a guy who makes shots, who defends, and who's a good locker room guy. Because I think more than ever, these young guys need that right now. I'm not sure what's going on in the locker room for everything I've heard. Things sound pretty hectic. Sounds like everybody's just frustrated, which is good, but I just think they could really use a couple more vets to help guide them through this very, very difficult time. So, that's just me. Um, but, Take a look around the league, guys. Um, there's a lot going on, but there's one big trade that I think, in my opinion, shakes up the league because these guys are huge in their own right. OG Ananobi is headed to the Knicks, or is in the Knicks now. And RJ Barrett goes home to play, to play for the Toronto Raptors alongside Emmanuel Quickly. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this trade? I, I heard a lot of different things. I think I was with our sports director, Zach Sirvenick, and our sports photo director, Jack Moylan, when it happened. And, or Derek, was it, were you, was I with you? I, when I was, was that? I think, I was at a game, and I know Sirvenick. It wasn't in the Indiana State, I don't think. Well, I was at a game, Derek was definitely next to, or Sirvenick was next to me, and we were alongside <laughs> somebody else. But I remember Sirvenick was like, I, I don't like this trade for, I think, maybe Toronto. And I was like, I like it for both sides, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. But mm-hmm. I, I want to know what you guys think, Martin. I'll start with you. I like it for both sides. I think that um, even though you could argue that the Raptors got more like overall value with two contributing players, I think that the Knicks came away with the clear best player involved. So I, you can't ever really complain when you come away with the clear best player. I think it depends on, obviously, I would have liked to see the Raptors go for more picks, a pick-based package rather than players like they are doing but I think it works out really well for the Knicks as well given they um they needed a real defensive stopper even though they weren't a bad defense they needed like a stopper somebody who's you're gonna rely on to play on the best offensive player on the opposite team night in and night out and I mean the results have been fantastic so far what are they five and oh since the trade so I say no complaints from either side and especially for the Knicks this will give them a little tiny push uh, coming up to the playoffs. Absolutely. I think that's a really good trade for both sides, especially for the Knicks, like having a defender like him who can also score the ball and give you 20 points on any other night. Pairing that with our stars in the team is just going to be a fantastic little itty-bitty duo right there. They can really make a push in the playoffs if we see them again, so I wouldn't count them out at all. So I'm excited for this duo. No, I th- I, it's a very fun trade. I think it makes both teams fun, more fun, because I, I think when you look at OG, he kind of has been stuck there maybe the last two years. You haven't seen the same thing. These kind of stats kind of slowed down a little bit. And then you look at uh, R.J. Barrett, and once they got Brunson in that real core they have right now, he kind of just he hasn't fit in really greatly when you have so many mid-range guys. It just kind of gets a little clunky inside for the Knicks. But so now they have a guy that can space and defend. He's Tibbs', he's Tibbs dream pretty much. He's a 3 and D guy. He can be the Luol Deng for the Knicks and 
I think this makes them pretty... I think they could get past a first-round team where before this trade, I don't know if they could have. I think they could definitely match up, even against... I think they would give a team like the Sixers right now a really good series, or if they can defend well against the Bucs, I think they could give them six or seven games, which I, I don't know if I could have said two weeks ago before this trade, so I'm, I'm in favor of it. Always, I, I feel like I've always seen really high quality basketball from this core, but it's just been in spurts. Like it has not been consistent. You know, um, they've dropped off at points, and I think a lot of it is this. This is still a relatively new core. You know, Brunson is only it's second year. Yeah, it's the second year with the Knicks, um, and this is a, a very, very different world. You go from playing with Luca, who's mm-hmm. like a heliocentric fellow, everything revolves around him. To like this is Brunson's team. You know what I mean? Say what you want um, about it, like. It's, it's his show. He's running it. But I think OG fits perfectly. You know, Tibbs obviously is going to love him. But I, I don't know if you guys saw after his debut with the Knicks, there was an article written in The Athletic by their beat writer. His name slips my mind. But OG told Jalen, like, before the game, like, yo, I don't know, really know what I'm doing in terms of stuff and stuff. But I'm just going to, like, press, like, every single time. <laughs> <laughs> it worked, like, beautifully. Um, and so I think – I think it's going to be great. Um, for Toronto, you know, I, I like it. You know, I think they get a little bit younger. Um, you know, it's Toronto, I always felt like it was a tough situation. Messiah's gotten a lot of criticism, but, you know, I think it was a good job putting together the core who did. It just didn't work. You know, sometimes it just doesn't. You know, it's a clunky fit with those guys, and I think Siakam's probably going to be on the move pretty soon. Um, but I always felt like RJ would come home at some point. And so I think it's really cool that he gets to go home, play now. I think that's going to do wonders for him. And Emmanuel quickly is a dog. You know, he's just got so much untapped potential, I think. And New York has been using him in that spark plug role. So I think he could, I think he could take a, a maxi, Tyrese Maxi type of leap where all of a sudden he goes from being the spark plug dude to being like one of the guys. You know, I think he, I think he has even more to that thing. Because this is like a, he's a, in some ways, I think he's like a big maxi. Like, he's 6'5", he's jet-like quick in the open floor, he makes shots, he's a bit streaky, but I think he, he's, in his per 36, his per 36 minute numbers are, are really good, so, yeah, and he's also up for a contract extension, I think, this summer, so, I hope Toronto just goes out and pays him, and they bet on him, because I think they should, you know, you get your young point guard of the future, um, and you obviously have a cornerstone type of guy in R.J. Barrett, should you choose to move on from Siakam as well. Thing with, uh, just back to the Knicks real quick, OG is also on his last year, so this is kind of a prove it for him. Yeah. Um, but then again, there's also the stuff with the agency, and the uh, his OG's agency is also Leon Rose, who is the president of the Knicks. So there's a there's a lot of so-called tampering going on there, uh, but I, I don't think any of that will get investigated. Yeah, no, I, I hope so. <laughs> Even though it's, it's kind of clear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, moving out west. Uh, the Clippers are rolling right now uh, after taking a lot of heat after that Harden trade. Things have clicked mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Um, clicked so much. Kawhi just got an extension today. I think that, yeah, that was announced this afternoon, yep. right? Yes. 152.4 million. Um, what are you guys seeing from this team? I, I, I have a few thoughts, but I just want to pick your guys' brains on what's going on out in L.A. and you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but seeing what you're seeing now, is this the year where things finally click for the Clippers? They make it out of the West? I know that's a heavy question, but I'm just curious. Tim, I'll start with you. I mean, 
in those first five games where we were looking at it, you knew something was going to have people would have to take less. There's a bunch of ball dominant guys coming together. It wasn't going to automatically gel, obviously. And I'm not saying this like I was a guy who was saying, be patient. I was also, hey, this is not going to work, whatever. It is working currently. Uh, I'll give them that. I think uh, Russell Westbrook's uh, been able to go back to that kind of bench role where he's still facilitating, but it might be with the second unit. They also have other guys uh, like Zubak has been playing really well. Him and Harden have kind of meshed a little bit. Uh, yeah, they they kind of have all you need right now. With They have all the pieces. They have a great coach. They have experience. It's just will it all come together in the end? And they they have the experience, especially over teams like the Thunder and Timberwolves going into the spring where they could get a couple good breaks where maybe they get the Kings in the first and the Thunder in the second. And now you're four, winning four games away from the finals where like, you never really know what's going to happen in the spring. That's all I can say. Yeah, I think... This is one of those teams where I'm not necessarily going to bet on them over the Nuggets or over some other top seeds out east, but I also would bet on them giving a very long series when healthy to anybody. Like They they have the talent to take anyone to seven or to beat anyone. It just depends on the cards played out because this is a well-built roster. It's a very well-built roster. It's a very well-coached roster. You've seen them in moments, um, I mean, you know, Ty Lue as a defensive coach, when they want to, they can lock in and they are nasty when you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. on the wings and Zubats holding everything down. It's it's nasty. And I think that the formula works shockingly well because this is one of those things where it's it's just there's scores everywhere on the on the court. <laughs> you can, and it's Zubats is perfect at playing off ball and being able to just um, you know, get putbacks and get those offensive rebounds for the second chances. And it's it's dangerous to see where, you know, one night Kawhi's gonna give you thirty five, the other night Harden's gonna give you thirty five. It's like every night's gonna every guy's gonna have an on night in a series and that's that's particularly scary the way you could stop one and get catch thirty from the other. That's tough. So I'm very confident in them, even though I can't say that they're favorites. But I think that this is maybe their best chance yet. Who knows? Absolutely. I'm very excited to see them, that they actually clicked right now. At the beginning of the podcast saying the season, I really wasn't a big fan. I kind of slandered Russ a little bit, which I'm going to maybe take back a little bit now. But they have. I think everybody has gotten into their role and kind of leaned into a player or a style. And now, like you were saying, Martin, I think anybody can give 35 a night if it's Harden, if it's Paul George, if it's Kawhi, which they just signed for that insane deal, but just having those three together and everybody can like come off the bench and score those points, it's just it's just a really really good system. They can make it really far in the playoffs. I don't know about winning anything. Don't know about if they get their cards right. I'd say then they can yeah. maybe win something or maybe make it to the finals. But I don't know if it's. I wouldn't bet on them to do it. I would bet on yeah. the Nuggets. I would bet on other teams like that. Yeah, I think to be fair, the the Nuggets are the only team in the West you can like confidently take over any other team everything mm-hmm. else is going to rely a lot on matchups but they're they're up there yeah you know, and i think that it's, it's a typical thing every year you know like I, with championship teams it's always very obvious if they have a, a hangover or if they've lost a step or if they're going to be like back within the realm of where they were like pretty much you know um 
you know, in recency bias, is a, it's a real thing. Not to say that we have that now, but just like you can see it. You know, we saw with Golden State, like, oh no, they're the same. They picked up right where they left. Yeah. But we see, we also have seen it with teams like like the Mavericks. Like, <laughs> they're not, they're not yeah. winning again. You know what I mean? So, um, I think Denver, like you said, is the definitive team that we can pinpoint as like the. Uh, but that's also true because we've seen them do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think with the Clippers, like. I think it all starts, you know, in some ways with Russ and James, just with those guys being selfless and putting their egos to the side, you know. Um, Kawhi and Paul have always been great, you know, when healthy. They've always been spectacular, but, you know, it was very clear that they needed more around those guys. And, you know, seeing how well James Harden has played, you know, with Zubac and how well he's just been out of the pick and roll. Um, I know he, you know, raised a lot of eyebrows and he has with his comments and everything but you know say what you want James Harden is a, a good basketball player you know um, he's exceptional out of the pick and roll you know he's big you know he's a really high IQ like basketball wise and I think a lot of people don't you know really talk about it just because you see so much his, his game doesn't appear as such you know it's very much ISO oriented and you think he's just flopping getting fouls or whatever and that's not the case at all um and with Russ, it's for me, it's been good to see, too, just because of everything that happened in L.A., you know, where, you know, all the talks about him being selfish, and, you know, he, Russ is not like that at all, um, on the floor, like, and to see him just sort of do everything and to do the things that he's continued to do for his career, just in a limited role, it's, I think it's been huge for this team, and I think that's where it starts. Those guys have been super selfless, you know, still superstars in their own right, just getting it done in a different way. Um, I really, you know, commend that too. Yeah, did you see Russ? I I'm pretty sure he volunteered to come off the bench. Like he, yeah. yes. And it's like I I just see Ty Lue as great as managing all those vets and keeping all the egos and yeah. everyone pleased. And mm-hmm. it's it's great seeing Russ like, you know, take the team into consideration. Yeah, I think you know Tyron Lue. I think might be, in some ways, I think he might be the most underrated coach. Yeah. We praise, yes. We praise yeah. Skull, we praise. Um, Mike Malone. Mike Malone. Mm-hmm. You know, we praise Ime when he did a great job. People are still praising him for the job he's doing in Houston. You know, I think Missoula's starting to get the credit he deserves. Obviously, Nurse gets the credit. But you rarely hear people really talk about Ty Lue. And it's unfortunate that this Clippers, these Clippers teams have been beset by injuries because he's such a good coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but staying out west, I just want to talk real briefly about the Timberwolves, man. You know, we cannot – can't deny these guys, man sitting at the top of the West. You know, this is no fluke. This team, in some ways, I think the Wolves have arrived. You know, things don't crash and burn. But, I like, this is a really, really good team. Obviously, Anthony Edwards is leading the way. I don't even know if you can categorize this as a breakout year for him just because I feel like his career has been just step by step by step. Sort of like with Tatum. Like, he's just gotten better and better and better. Not like he goes from being solid to amazing one year. Um, But, what are you guys seeing from this team? You know, and is I know this is a recurring question, but is is this sustainable for this team? And what's, what do you guys think is the ceiling from in terms of postseason? I think this is sustainable because the way they're built, they have a good foundation on what right. they're built on. They're built on defense. They have Gobert. They have size too because they have Gobert, Cat, Jane McDaniel's, and then you add all that. You have Anthony Edwards, who's becoming a top five closer in the league we we saw it in the playoffs last year um against denver obviously they only got one game but still 
they got one game. That's a very big, um, a, a big feat. So I think they, when you talk about ceiling in the playoffs, I'd say they definitely have Western Conference final ceiling. I, I, I don't know about finals. I think you need the expertise or experience to get there. I think, especially with where the West is now. Other years, sometimes you don't need that experience because you just have the talent talent to carry you. I, I don't know if you can in this West with, you still have LeBron. I know they're in the 10 seed. I know the Warriors are the 11 right now with Steph, but like those teams are still super scary. I know it's January and they're down in the bottoms, but trust me, we'll be talking about them in April. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm a little bit higher on them. I I see them as just like they're built. I think building a team on defense as as your identity and as your 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 main focus and talent is just a fantastic playoff strategy because that doesn't go away. It doesn't go away at all in the playoffs. And they have so much size, so much length. It bothers everybody you see play them. You watch every single team that plays them, um, and just. I, I don't think that the ceiling is championship yet. I think they could make it to the finals if the cards play out. I I would take Denver over them, but if you told me right now you looked into the future and said Timberwolves made it to the finals, I wouldn't be shocked. And I think that next year when you see a little bit more from Ant where he's just a little bit better, um, I think that's that's the year where it's, it's looking really scary, especially because you can expect them to gel better next year than they have this year. But... I'm I'm I love the team. I think they're so fun to watch and I think that they're deep too. Like I they have eight guys that you can really trust in the playoffs to to make meaningful minutes. I think that's important too. So, I'm quite high on them. The Timberwolves are such an interesting team to watch and to talk about. Like having two seven-footers that defensive core and defensive mindset is just going to bring you so farther and then pairing that with Ant. He's just such a great dynamic player. He's just can shoot the ball. He's athletic as heck. He can just jump out the gym and it's fantastic to watch. They have that type of aura that I love to see in the team that kind of reminds me of John Moran a little bit with just the aura of him, how like passionate he is, how just his vibe is just really, really cool. So those types of teams and those type of players just make me want to watch them even more than I do now. So I just can't wait to see them in the playoffs. I think they could make a Western Conference Finals this year and I think next year they can definitely make it to the finals. I wouldn't be surprised like you said, Martin, but I think they could definitely go far this year. They are such a great placed-up team and coach team as well. They can honestly play with anybody in the league right now. And defensively, I think they're one of the best. Yeah, I would agree with everything you guys said. Um, I think my ceiling is tough. I, I, I'd say max. I think they max out conference finals this year, just given where they're at. Um, but, no, this, this team has been – to me, it's just crazy how the Sabres turned. This, I, I think this is a very valuable lesson to learn on in Minnesota for a lot of front offices because you think about all of the the nonsense that front <laughs> office took when they <laughs> traded for Gobert. You know, you gave a, you mortgaged your future for Gobert, and it looked really bad at first. It looked really bad, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, and for a while, you remember, like guys, you know, teams were talking like, "We don't want to do what Minnesota did," you know, and did <laughs> like that, and now it's. It's working beautifully, so um, I, I really hope that they can keep it up and, you know, things continue to grow and evolve and that this core, you know, has a few more years left in them. I know, you know, Mike Conley's getting up there in age. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think they deserve it. And Minnesota fans really deserve it, you know. Um, Ricky Rubio is one of my favorite players 
And uh, I think it, it's a shame that the Kevin Love Rubio era never worked out the way it did because those guys are phenomenal. But that's off topic. But yeah, no, I, I give them conference finals this year. I think sometimes in order to win big, you got to learn how to lose. And I think for I think for Ann especially, that's the next step. Learn how to lose on that stage, accepting it, going back, working, and then getting that back home. The one thing that just scares me just a little is is the offense and how the offense will perform, especially with the two bigs. Yeah. The This team construction kind of reminds me of the Cavs of last year and how they just were unable to put up 90 points in playoff games. That That's the one concerning part where it's like, I know you have Edwards, but if you look back to two years ago, Cat got pushed around in the final or in the playoffs by the Grizzlies, and they just kind of they had big leads, and they would just get so discombobulated, and it just would kind of fall apart. I I don't know if that's on Chris Finch. I don't know who that's on, coaching wise, or if it's players. I just think it's it's a little concerning the offense. Yeah. yeah. When, when they, yes. A, a coach once told me when things fall apart. Yeah, I've always kept that in mind. You know, it's not always your fault, but you know, I've always just remembered that. <laughs> but pivoting, moving um, to the great state of Michigan, uh, real quick, I just want to talk about the Detroit Pistons. History was made over winter break, guys. Um, team lost twenty-eight straight games, right? Twenty-eight. Yep. Yep. Uh, got a win. Over the Raptors, right? Mm-hmm. Over the Raptors, yeah. All of the games over the break. I, I watched yep. all of them over the break, but they're all being there. I know they won against the Raptors, though. Um, at Little Caesars. Back to losing, though. Uh, got blown out tonight against the Spurs. Wendy had a triple double. You know, r- real quick, I just want to talk about this. You know, this is. I, it's related to the team, but one thing that I don't like is. That's bothered me is hearing people talk about selling the team. You know, uh, people. I've heard people say they'd rather have no team in Detroit than to have this team. I get it. Fans are frustrated and fans are upset, but I think that is ridiculous. You know, and I don't think a lot of people understand when you sell a team that overhauls everything. Like you got to be careful what you wish for when when you wish for somebody to sell a team. You know what I mean? Like. Um, I know people have blamed Gores, but we can all name worse owners in sports right now than Gores. Um, and as like, this is just how the game goes. You know, somebody has to be at fault. Um, but you know, it goes back to a referring problem we've talked about, Tim. Where you know you have a bunch of young guys, you have very few veterans, and guys don't know how to win. And I think you know, Warren and Derek, you guys can probably attest to this. That you know, this team puts together a good two to three quarters. And then they fall apart, whether it's the first quarter and they you know, get punched in the mouth at, fir- at first or the fourth quarter and things fall apart then and it's close. Like, but to me, that, that is a sign of progress in and of itself. Um, it's just very frustrating right now that they can't seem to put together good four quarters. But, hey, that's what happens when you have a bunch of 19-year-olds playing with each other. Um, like, that's, that's, that's truly how I feel. And it's just, like I said, though, it's frustrating to hear fans talk like that and to say those things. Um, because, you know, this is an incredible team, and Detroit is an incredible sports city. And, you know, every team has its fair share of struggles. And I want to remind people, too, you know, I think it's important to keep some perspective. Like, uh, 
no offense to fans out there who are listening, but you know, you think about a team like the Hornets who haven't had little to any success in their entire lifespan. You know what I mean? The Pistons have had a lot, you know, um, and there's a lot to be proud of, and there's going to be conti- there's going to continue to be more in the future. This is just a rough time right now, and yeah, but. Martin, I, I want to hear what you think about this losing streak and everything. I know I got a little sentimental, but I just wanted to say that, um, and then we can, you know, move on. Well, I attended two Pistons games in person over break. I watched us lose to the Jazz painfully, as they had a roster full of G leaguers. <laughs> I watched us lose to the Nets. Barely, as I was watching it through the eyes holes carved in a paper bag. And I, I truly don't have a... I'm, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. Because I don't... Because like you said, it's like you don't want to sell the team and overhaul everything. But it's like, really, can you look me in my eyes and say, I trust Tom Gores to put a, con- a contender around Cade Cunningham? Like, really? I, I just, at this point... I'm beginning to lose hope in Troy Weaver and Tom Gores and just generally the organization. It it's it seems like I I'm 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 struggling to find bright, bright spots anymore. I'm struggling to find moral victories that I can take. Just, you know, being like, you know, one every five games, I'm like, oh, but Cade's stat padded and <laughs> makes the stats a little a little better. It's like I'm I just I I'm I'm at a loss for words at how how horrible it is, and I I almost w- wish that the losing streak continued to continue to bring the heat onto Tom Gore and Troy Weaver's seat, because I I don't want an overhaul of this team. I would want nothing more in my life than to see a 500 team with Cade Cunningham as the number one guy in in Detroit. Like yes. like truly, I mean that. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know. I don't think trading Cade. It shouldn't even be on the table. No way. No. Even if, no, of course not. Even if they were fire to fire a GM, fire Troy Weaver and bring in a new GM tomorrow, you don't trade Kate. You can do whatever else you want. But For my sure. thing is, and I, I've talked with Jack Borman about this, and Jack, he's also a diehard Pistons fan, but, you know, when you look at the roster, you look at Duran, you look at Ivy, Gasol, um, Cade, obviously. Um, all of these guys individually, are good young pieces. You know what I mean? In some ways, I think a lot of people would be hesitant to part on all of them. It's not working right now, but at the same time, these guys have only these guys have played less than eighty two games together. When you think when you factor in Cage and yeah. Thompson being a rookie, Durant, you know, being a second year, all of that. So it's tough. There's no excuse for the losses. Um and it, it's a ridiculous streak, but you know, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but one thing, and this is my last thing, I, I feel like a lot of people have been, a lot of people don't pay as much attention to the Pistons as you would think, but they scream about it like they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And that's been the troubling part. You hear people saying things, and I'm like, you don't really sound like you watch the Pistons. Yeah. You know? Exactly. You don't, it's just that people really don't, like, understand how the Pistons play. I went to see the 76ers game, and... Like the first three quarters, we competed at such a high level. We were hitting shots. We were passing the ball. We were actually distributing it and making good plays. But, you know, like AJ said, it felt like it fell apart in the fourth quarter. But 
those first three halves, I had so much faith and I was so happy to watch them. But like stuff always falls apart and that's kind of falls on the coaching, falls on the players, falls on the rotations a little bit. But it's just so nice to see the Pistons play in a good light and people really don't understand that. Yes, we were one of the worst teams in history. Yes, we're bad. Yes, yes, whatever, whatever, whatever. Sell the team, blah, blah, blah. But there is some hope here and there's pieces we can build around. We just have to take the initiative to actually do it. And I think we could be a really, really good team, 500 team in a couple of years, but we just have to be patient and honestly wait on it because I think this team could be great. We just have to let our young guys develop, bring other players in that can help them develop. I think our coach is okay. Monty's all right. I don't know about all that, uh, but I'm I, not I saying got, I got one great. more piece. I, got, I, got, I just got one more thing before we move on. I, I just Because I, I get what you're saying about how people don't, people that comment on the Pistons that don't watch it. Cause, and it's like, we're the ones that see, like I see the rotations every day. I, yeah. see, I see what lineups he's playing, the starting lineups. And I, I worry top to bottom about him putting, like Monty specifically, putting our players in, in position to succeed. I, I've seen some, lineup, some lineups that are just like indefensible. Like I just don't, I, I don't see an argument for them that, that like works in the NBA in 20, the year of 2023. Like for example, the Celtics game, we're up big. Fourth quarter, the Celtics go on a, like a 15 to three run. Monty calls a timeout. 15 to 3 run. We watch it who walks out on back into the four of the lineup. Five bench guys after the Celtics went on like a 15 point run. And it's like, I just don't see like <laughs> yeah, I don't see the logic. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just dumb. But it's that old school method, I think. Yeah, it is. And I talked to Jack about that like real quick, just like this team is so bad, you might as well just let them let the players who are making mistakes learn on the floor. Like, like I am not in the method of, you know what, you're going to sit down and watch for it. No. <laughs> no. You know, you might as well let Ivy play. And also, too, contractually, like, these guys are playing for cheap right now. The best way, I think, when you have a lottery team, let roll the ball out, let the guys play, and see if they're worth re-signing. Yeah. You know, after a few years. And if not, you know that. But it, it's better to do that than to be like, yeah, you know, he was missing defensive rotation, so he barely played. And then we, you know, let him go and – you know, now he's blown up with this other team on uh, a minimum salary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, so. that's why it's frustrating because you say, like, oh, we're bad. We, we got a, a chance to see all these guys. And that's the thing that's really scaring me, the way, like, Ivy doesn't get minutes a lot sometimes. And it's <laughs> yeah. like – Sar had 19 yeah, the other day. Like, like, yeah. like can't be Sar doesn't get – like, Ivy – and now it's like not only is it a bad team, it's a bad team that isn't making strides towards being a good team. And, again – at, at 10 losses in a row, I'm sitting there like I was with you. Like, listen, the talent's there. The fit's just not. Like, it's okay. At 15 losses, I'm like that too. Maybe at 20. By 28, I'm like, I'm lo- I'm losing it. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. that's all I got. For sure. Um, moving to Memphis, John Morant is out uh, for the rest of the season after a shoulder injury. Um, labral tear. But I just want to talk to you guys really quick um, about the Grizzlies and, and about John. You know, a very short period, but he looked really sharp and he looked good from the, the time that we saw. Um, I guess I, I want to pose a quick question to all you guys. Do you think with everything that's happened around John, coupled with this injury, 
is his tra- has his trajectory changed at all? Has Memphis's trajectory changed at all? Do you guys think things are right back on track next season? Everything's cool. I'm not worried about it. When you look at the roster that they have, they did kind of take a bat a little drop off with no Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. They also lost Tyus Jones. This wasn't going to be a year where they were competing at the same level they were last year. Obviously, stinks. He only played about four or five games, but I, I think you just got to look when. When it's all said and done, you, this is a forgettable year. Everyone has forgettable years. When you look back, look at Dwayne Wade. I'm not comparing Morant and D. Wade. I'm just saying that year right before the whole Heatles thing, he was out for the year. They won 20 games maybe. And you just reset. You get a lottery pick. You build for the future. I think you just can. What are you talking about? What year are you talking about? Was it? 10? Is it 10 or 09? 09. 09 or 08? Are you talking about the 09 year where he was like cold, but they were just so bad? He got hurt, yeah. And they, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's uh, it's a forgettable year in D Wade's legacy. You don't go back, you don't automatically go back to that. I think that's the same thing to a lesser extent with Morant, where it's. He was healthy both of those years. Was he? Yeah. Well, that's, that was. was There was the the year, there was the, I think you're thinking of maybe the 08, 09 year where he led the league. There was a year yeah, he, he tore up the league. He averaged 30. That but they won like 20 games. Yeah, yeah okay. okay. That was like a Kobe 06 year. He was just like, I'm I just going to score. there was a year where he was hurt. Look at the film, though. I, he looks like Jordan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Like, Faster. Still, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's a year where a superstar, it's going to be forgettable in the long run. But I think they'll be fine, get a couple more pieces around them that fit. They don't need a lot more, just a couple more rotation guys, and I think they could be in a spot next year. Uh, it's things to punt on a year when you have a guy who's 24 years old in his prime, but it's a, it's something you just got to do. Yeah. I think it's it's just like it, it's just a setback, and it's like obviously this is as disastrous of a year. <laughs> like it could not get more disastrous for Memphis. I like I don't even remember the last time a team was this just ravaged by injuries like season ending ones not just like untimely ankle injuries like season ending serve ending surgeries um but i think if if you're front office like obviously you're you're coming back next year and maybe there's a better free agent class maybe you get a nice rookie pick maybe you move up in the lottery a lot you get a great pick who can like contribute first year i think that they're set up well i don't have any concerns long term Absolutely. They're not going to be set back from this at all. I mean, we saw in the five games that Jaws been playing, I think they were 4-1 or they won on a five-game win streak, but they were just, Josh is fantastic, and their team really clicks when he's on the floor. So they're just going to honestly take this year back, play some of their young guys, maybe involve some of their talent, a little lower talent or their rookies a little bit, and then try to get a nice pick next year, maybe a couple of free agent guys that come off the bench to try to help this team because they already have their identity, they have their core, they know who they are, and they can definitely just, add to that next year so this year's not going to be a setback they're going to come right next year stronger honestly i think and josh is going to be i think look out a little bit in the league because he's going to be insane that's what i'd say i like it yeah no and i think next year too is my only thing you know if this team is going to begin to be you know the perennial western conference contenders that i think they were sort of picked to be you know a couple years ago i think it's like next year you know i think that's the year when everything finally clicks um this team has been humbled They've gone through losses. Now you got everybody healthy. You know, your young guys are starting to get a little bit older. Not becoming old at all, but they're, you know, mature enough to know how to win in this league. Time to go do it. Um, what do you think they need, though? What What's the piece well, What's the piece that they add? I think just the – I think they're probably going to go through a, a lot of 
competitive teams go through, which is just like who's this might be really detailed, but uh, you know, okay, we have our stars, we have these guys, you know, we know when they're going to score, but you know, who's going to give us really good offense in the paint for three minutes in the fourth quarter when we need it in our playoff series, or you know, who's who's going to come in and just make shots consistently? Like as simple as it sounds, I think those are the guys that are in demand, and those are the guys that you need at the tail end of your roster when you're playing real competitive basketball. Just those guys who can come in and defend and do a little bit of everything. Um, the league isn't what it used to be, where you know you had your Bill Lambeer type guys who came in and just like rebounded and were super rugged. Like you know, you need skilled guys all over the floor, and not even skilled in like you know guys who can just shoot the three or whatever. Sometimes you need a guy like maybe Stephen Adams who just has a really high IQ, who can defend and rebound and all that. So to tell you the truth, I think off the top of my head, especially given that this team has not played really super competitive basketball this year. I'm almost not sure in some ways what exactly they need, but I think the next year's playoff series will sort of send things out. Yeah, I have a quick quick thing on that. One thing is even when Ja was in, they obviously they had a great defense, and they're fantastic yeah. in transition. They get out with Ja, but they are not good at half-court offense. That is, yeah. that is by far their biggest yeah, yeah. weakness. Mm-hmm. And that's that think, the biggest thing in the playoffs. Yeah. That's like the number one thing that sets teams so, apart. So. I think that working on that from a coaching perspective just from a fit perspective giving it time will solve at least a bit of that just when ja keeps learning he learns how to run the pick and roll better and i think that again you know next time they play a series that'll expose whatever issues they may or may not have i'll tell you what i think jaron jackson needs to expand his game some more. absolutely yeah he's, absolutely he's so talented but it's it's got to come together they need him even yeah. when Ja comes back, they're gonna need him because yeah. once you get to seven games, it's you, teams are gonna game game plan the heck out of you. And seeing what we've seen, I don't know if he's ready for that on offense yet. Yeah, defense he's great, but but yeah. Um, moving out west real quick, Draymond Green has been reinstated. Not playing games yet. Still needs uh, about a week to ramp up, get back in shape. I don't know if you guys saw him in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Served a twelve game suspension, but you know. There's a lot going on in the Bay right now. You know, we could be seeing firsthand the fall of the Golden State Warriors, the decline of, you know, what has been just a hell of a ride. Yes. Do you guys think the Warriors can, you know, salvage this season? And, uh, you know, just real quick, like, what is the outlook of this team for these next couple of years? Because there are just so many question marks. Do you think they come together for, you know, maybe one last final run? Not even maybe, maybe a chip, but just – a serious run for their money? Will they give other teams a run for their money out west? I don't think they can as Hmm. the team that's currently constructed. And I'm not saying move the big pieces, move Steph, move Clay, move Draymond. I'm saying if they maybe retool Wiggins and Kaminga and they get another wing, solidified wing, maybe a guy like Siakam or something, I'm just throwing that out there, I think they could get somewhere because – Steph Curry is still a top five basketball player. I yes. think. Yes. And if you have a top five basketball player in a series, you don't need a lot more. You need some more, but you don't need a lot more. If you get a, if Clay has been, he's, if you look at his last two, three weeks, he's been playing better. You need that out of him. You need guys, like if you still have Chris Paul, you need him when once he comes back uh, to play well. You just need everyone to play at their peak for what this team is at right now. 
Will they do it? I don't know. Can they do it? Maybe. That's what I have to say. Yes. I have, I have two points. For one, at least last I checked, they were a 500 team with Draymond Green on the court. Like he was out earlier, you know, for the for the choking incident. <laughs> so, like, like, I don't know how you call it that. yeah. <laughs> but they're like, they were a 500 team. I don't know what the opponents were, but they were a 500 team when he was on the court. Yeah. And so I think right now, like, this is not just like they're one of their bench players coming back. Like, this is arguably their second or third best player coming back. You know, especially how important he is for glue and for defense. Mm-hmm. So. And they already have Steph Curry, and the hardest thing to get in basketball is a top five player because there's only five of them. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that they have the hardest thing that there is to get. It's just can the front office make the right moves? I think this year and next year is like your window. That's yes. basically it. And I think that with the right moves, they can make like a conference finals run. I 100% think they can make a conference finals run. Um, I think – my only problem is with Kerr a little bit, just the rotations. I think we need to play our young guys just a little bit more. A trade would be nice, like Siakam would be a nice fit, but I really like Kaminga. Um, I want him to. I want him to see the floor a lot more. Which one? Yeah. How he wants out. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he had like thirty. He had the most points in like thirty yep. minutes the next night. Like it's. I love it. Those reports can be interesting sometimes. It's always funny to see. Oh, de- oh yeah, yeah, it wasn't oh, him. Yeah. It was definitely his agent, and then but yeah, but yeah. it was definitely like Kuminga was like, yeah, put it out. There. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's funny how he send, like, send the text yeah, to Shane. Just told, yeah, he just <laughs> told them. He was like, yeah, like need a little stir the pot a little bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. I just think that he's such a good player. Like you saw the kind of minutes he's minutes he got, and the scoring uh-huh. that he did. I mean, come on. I think we should if we add him into the mix a little bit, and like. This is no shade to Clay Thompson. He's a fantastic player. He used to just shoot so well, and he's such a great player. But this year, he's just been really, really off. Like, his shooting's not there. His defense's not there. He's slower than he used to be. And I think that – I think he needs to take a little bit of a backseat role. I know Clay probably has a huge ego because he's such a great player. He's not going to try to do that. and He's not going to take a backseat role. Like, it might take him a couple years, like how Russ did it. He, he wasn't agreeable to it when he was on the Clippers at first, but he eventually did it. But Clay is just – he's just not himself right now. He needs to kind of take a little bit of a backstep role, and I think we should let the rookies play. I think that's the real thing the Warriors should do. Either sign somebody or let the rookies play. And I think Clay should, should take a step back right now. Yeah, you know, I think – I think this team could make one run. I don't know if it happens this season. I think maybe, you know, a good offseason. You know, a good offseason always does wonders for anything. I think – could be it, but I say that window shuts if they have a season like this next year, mm-hmm. which yeah. very well happen given everything that's going on. Um, the Draymond thing, real quick, is just it was a little odd to me, just because Draymond has always had he's always been a volatile guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Call it which one he's been like that. That's what's made him special. Yeah, look at in the finals, he yeah. got ejected oh, yeah. to the finals game, and I mean, yeah. I mean, look always had that yeah. Like yeah. That's always that's what's gotten him to this point. However, you know, there's there's a fine line that you cross, you know, with having that, that fire. And once things start to go south, once the team starts losing more, whatever the case may be, or even once you lose a step or two, all of a sudden it's not 
not so cool anymore. And the mm-hmm. negative aspects start to flow up a lot more. And so that's what worries me, I guess, with Draymond, this, this whole situation. Um, you know, I hope he's able to come back. I don't know if you guys said he, if you guys saw, but he told Adam Silver he was going to retire. Yeah. Which. Dramatic. It's dramatic, <laughs> yeah. too, but it's also like not owning, owning up. Yeah, so, yeah. so funny. Just it is hitting funny. a guy in the face yeah. and being like, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, I'm going to quit now. Like, come on now, dude. But I, I think this team has one more good run in them. Will they, will Steve Kerr, or, you know, Steph pull it out of this team? I don't know. But I I, I think they got one more. In them. I don't know if it happens yeah. this year. But yes. if it doesn't happen next year, I think they can. I agree. I agree, too. Well, we'll wrap this up with uh, the playoffs ended today. Shout out to Hot Take 10 for this one. Um, Playoffs ended today. Hot Take 10. The Celtics will be playing against the Magic. The Bucks will be playing the Cavaliers. Sixers will be playing the Pacers. I like that one. I like that one. Yes. Yeah. And the Knicks will be playing the Heat. What do you guys think about those games? Real quick. I think Knicks Heat, a rematch slugfest. Oh boy. Not, not seeing triple digits that. in that series. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's probably the one I think. Yeah, I love that I, that's exciting. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that would be definitely, that's mine. That that would be my mm-hmm. number one pick. Yeah. Oh, number one pick. I want Sixers Pacers. I love just because I want to see Tyrese Halliburton in a playoff series <laughs> so badly. Because I, like, I don't know. There's doubts about, you know, a team that's entirely based on offense trying to make it into the playoffs. Who knows? But I want to see it. With the Sixers, who that. have a really, really good defense, yeah, they yes, have an so. underrated defense. They yes, have one of the best, do. the top three in the league. Yeah, that would be fantastic, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I'm going with the Thunder versus the Mavericks matchup. I'm just so excited oh, to see Shea. I thought, we were, I thought oh. we were staying in the East. Oh my bad. My bad. We can transition. Though. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. So, in the West, you got the Wolves and the Rockets, Thunder and the Mavs, Nuggets, Pelicans, Clippers, Kings. You said you were going with Thunder Mavs. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just excited to see Shea in a playoff game with like a lot on his shoulders, game on the line, fourth quarter, two seconds left, and he's just hitting a draining shot. I can't wait to see that moment. But I just want to see that matchup with him and Luca. It's going to be a great defensive matchup as well with a couple of teams, but that offense is going to be amazing. So that's going to be a great series. For me, I'd say going back out to the East, I the Knicks Heat one, I guess, but I, I – Sixers Pacers would be it for me. Yes. Like, yeah. That yeah. Um, and just, just to note, those last three, six, seven, eight are like all tied. So if we could see a flip where the Pacers are somehow the seven and we get Bucks Pacers in a playoff series, oh my I god. think that clears, oh. that blows oh all of them out of yeah. the water. Oh I my think. god, Bucks Pacers, I die oh for man. that. We. That's peak cinema. Expeditiously, yeah, that I would need be. That. that would be. <laughs> <laughs> the hilarious thing about that whole situation, you guys can tell me what you think, but it's like. Giannis like can't stand them, and the Pacers, oh are, like, <laughs> the Pacers to me are just like the chillest team. Like I don't yeah. even think they're really yeah. They don't care. Yeah, no. Like they're just like they're just good. I think yeah. if anything, the Pacers might be in Giannis's head a little bit, where he's just yeah. he like said for it. sure he said it. Yeah, like, like like they don't. It would be one thing if they were like the Grizzlies, like how the Grizzlies yeah. were a few years ago, mm-hmm. just talking trash, being disrespectful. The Pacers are just good, like, and they're led by Halliburton, who doesn't care. And, <laughs> and it's rare when you see the established team kind of punching on the yeah. the unestablished team where it's usually the unestablished one kind of trying to get to the top it's kind of yeah. the bucks are kind of punching down on the paces which I is very it. interesting two things on that for one uh 
Minneapolis versus, I mean, Indianapolis versus Milwaukee is a great small market matchup, yeah. which I yeah. love. <laughs> also, um, oh, I was going to say, also, it's just like, it's it's somebody with a lot more weight on their shoulders going against that, and that's, it's just every game they've had so far has been so much fun. I'd, I'd just love to see it. For sure. For sure. Do we want to do picks out west? Yeah, or? yeah, I was about to go out there. Um, My bad. For me, real quick, is Clippers Kings because that's another one. I think not not just because of the matchups. I think it's going to be fun regardless. But I think neither of those teams can afford to lose. Like the Kings have gotten a taste of real success now. I think they have their eyes set on much much more. Like going home in the first round, I don't think is acceptable for this team. But for the Clippers. Mm. Going home in the first round shouldn't even be an option. So yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's huge for me. But. I think when you look at these playoff series, I think Nuggets-Pelicans would be a ve- – I think it could – if the Pelicans could play up to the Nuggets and it be a good series, then it would be a really good series, if that makes any sense, where <laughs> obviously the Nuggets could just pull away. But if it, the Nuggets make this a series, it would be extremely fun to watch both – we would see Zion in more meaningful games like we saw in the yes. where he didn't really answer in the in-season tournament. Now we can see if he kind of fought those demons a little bit and he plays good in such a meaningful game, especially against Jokic. I think the way they play could kind of get to the uh, Nuggets, if that makes any sense. Just inside, pounded, like they could go through a def- the Nuggets defense that might be a little bit, bit weaker. And I think the the Nuggets defense could or the Pelicans defense could maybe match up pretty well against the Yeah. The Nuggets. No, I'm I'm I was gonna say the same thing. I would love to see Nuggets Pels because I mean, for one, I, I think just in general what Zion needs is being sent home on the biggest stage. I think he needs a kick like that. Yeah. But other I would love to see Zion on Aaron Gordon. Like, oh my gosh, that all those possessions would be fantastic. Just watching them bruise with each other would be fantastic. Would be oh yeah, yeah. Oh, be, it would be, be the clunkiest series of teams. all. Yeah, because <laughs> you got these huge. Because you got like Bi Zion and Valanciunas. You got like these three huge guys, and then you got Gordon. You got seven footer MPJ Jokic. <laughs> it would be a great series. I would love to see that. That's gonna be so great. That's a slugfest right there. Yeah. But I'm gonna go if I have to do two, but um I'm gonna go with the Clippers versus the Kings. I've been such a big fan of the Kings this entire year. De'Aaron Fox is one of my favorite players, sleeper player. She's not a sleeper player, but he's one of my sleeper players. No, right I, I now. definitely think he I think he doesn't get the love yeah. he deserves. He's, when if yeah. you look at his stats compared to John Morant's, they're very equal and you hear yes. a lot about Morant yeah. Morant a lot more than you hear about Fox. We talk about him a lot, a little bit. That's kind of why I thought he was a sleeper pick, but yeah. I'd choose him just to be one of my favorite players in the league right now. But this is going to be such a big offensive battle. And like the Sabonis matchups with Kawhi a little bit, a little bit of a paint matchup is going to be great. So, Ooh. well, we saw this these two teams play last year, and was it like yeah. 170 to 100? It was something yeah. insane oh, yeah, like that. Right. <laughs> so maybe we'll see I that com- again. I completely forgot yeah. about that. I did. Wow. Stops will. Be at a premium in that yeah. series. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna be straight, straight slinging it. Can't yeah. wait. Good coaching too. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for our first episode of Courseside Combo, the new year. Thank you so much for listening and uh, go out, be nice to people. We'll be right back here with another episode next Wednesday. Thank you once again. Much love.